Well, good morning, everybody. Best wishes and Happy New Year. If I haven't seen you yet, which I haven't. So uh, greetings from Pastor Louis. He's just uh, taking a break today. He did the heavy lifting over December and New Year's and both those Sundays. And so uh, I have the opportunity just to share the word of the Lord with you. Uh, thanks to the worship team and for those who shared in the gifts of the Spirit to encourage us this morning. I don't know how you feel about the year. I wonder if you had to think about the year, what the post- your posture would be for the year. Perhaps you're, you know, like a boxer dancing on your toes. You're ready for this. Anybody? No one stood up and, yeah, okay. Well, maybe you're a little uncertain or maybe you're just going to, you know, see, see how it all pans out. Uh, but I think with the word that I'd like to share with you this morning is a little bit about the posture you have or that we have uh, for the year. Uh, it's my conviction or uh, perception at least that we living in increasingly uncertain times. You know, I remember when I was much younger, you could kind of know what's going to come and what's going to happen. And, but I think today, just with access to more news and access to more information, and if you listen to people, there's just so much uncertainty. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in this part of the world, and we don't know what's going to happen in South Africa. We don't know what's going to happen in our city. I mean, there's some things we know. The sun will come up. The sun will set. There's some certainties in God in, in those things. But I feel like it's more uncertain than ever before. And as we face these times, it's important also for us to hear and understand what God says to us, because actually, that's what really determines everything. So I wonder what your posture for the year is. Now, before I get into the Word this morning, we're going to spend some time in Zechariah chapter 8. Uh, Zechariah is one of the minor prophets, so if you have a hard copy Bible, a real Bible, uh, you kind of go to Matthew and just page left a little bit. Uh, it's the second or third last book there just before uh, Malachi. Uh, if you're on the digital device, obviously, you can just look that up. Um, but before we get there, just a couple of T's and C's, some terms and conditions, because I'm going to be preaching perhaps a little bit differently from what I normally do uh, in terms of uh, using the text. So uh, this chapter, this book, Zechariah, I do understand that it's a prophetic word that God gave to ancient Israel. Uh, they probably returned from exile. God had uh, sent them into exile as a judgment uh, because they hadn't kept the covenant. And there's some reference to that in some of the texts we'll read. Um, but they've come back and they're kind of trying to get their lives going again. They're trying to get settled, get businesses going. Uh, probably around maybe 20 to 30 to 40 years after they've returned from exile. Um, there's lots going on. They're supposed to come back with this mandate to rebuild the temple that was destroyed by the Babylonians about 70 years before. So this book is really like a prophetic word to ancient Israel. Um, I understand, actually, that the most immediate application for us today would be for us as a community of faith, as a community of believers. And I think maybe God will say some things to that us as we go. But my mandate this morning that I really felt as I prayerfully and carefully prepared, my mandate this morning is to take this text and apply it to you to me, to each of us as an individual. So I'm going to, in that sense, be applying the words a little bit more devotionally. And so if I can take a little bit of license with some of the text in terms of just that it's an application to us as individuals, not necessarily to ancient Israel or so on. So those are my T's and C's for this morning. And so because I'm speaking a little bit more in this space, I would submit this word to you and ask that you would take it, pray through it, ask God what he's saying to you. Spend some time this week and saying, he's you know, anything that Neil shared this morning, is it for me, Lord? Is it for, for me this year? And what must I do and how must I reply to that or respond to that? Is that okay? 
Now, there's some things in the text where there's clear response called for and, and we'll, some promises from God that I think are really encouraging. But would you take the word and discern what God is saying to you? Is that okay? Particularly because it's for you and the mandate is it's just in that space. So we're going to start in verse 2 in Zechariah chapter 8. God is speaking there and he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I'm burning with jealousy for her. I think what God is saying to us this morning, I want to suggest this strongly, is that God is saying he's jealous for you. He's zealous for you. God wants your affections. He doesn't want to put you to put your love or your affection or your intention on anything else. Firstly, he needs to be first. He's jealous for you. I don't know if you've ever been jealous about something where you've wondered, you know, I wish I could have or that. God wants you. 2023, God is jealous for you. Before you've done one thing, prayed one prayer, I'm sure you've prayed some prayers already this year, but before you've done too much this year, God wants you to hear that he's jealous for you. For you as the individual, for you as the person, his heart, his attention, his passion is focused on you. See, as we start a year, and I know for some of us it's just, you know, it rolls through, it's just another day, it's another month or whatever, but as we start a year, it is an opportunity to pause and to reset and to reflect. And it's important that we start the year with God, the God who is jealous for us. Everything begins and also actually ends with Him. It all starts with God. It starts with a God who loves us more than we can comprehend and who wants to do good in our lives more than we can even imagine. Centuries after Zechariah writes this, Paul writes, and he actually prays for the Ephesians church and he says, Pray that they can even just comprehend how much God loves them. He loves you more than you can understand, more than we deserve, more than we can even imagine. And out of that love, he knows what is really, really good for us and what is really, really best for us. Sometimes we think when God asks us to do stuff, as we'll look at later in the text, it's because he wants to withhold from us. That's just simply not true. God is jealous for us. He wants to do good in us. He wants to share, pour out his love in our lives. And I'm so encouraged by some of the things that were shared earlier in the service and during the worship time. I think God is really speaking with one voice this morning. So God's heart for you this year is to bless you. Even though he might ask you to stop doing certain things and to start doing certain things, that's because it's really what's good for you. So we're going to drop down from verse 2, we're going to stay in Zechariah 8, and we're going to go to verse 9, and we're going to read now from verse 9 to 11, talk about some things I felt the Lord highlighted there, and then we'll look at some more verses as we go. So Zechariah chapter 8, verse 9 to 11. This is what the Lord Almighty says, now hear these words, let your hands be strong. And that's the title of my message this morning. And it's the main word of encouragement that I feel the Lord has for us. Let your hands be strong. As I try to study up a little bit on this, this is not so much about physical strength, although it does come through. It's about your inner strength, the inner person, the inner motivation that God gives you to be prepared to lean forward. Part of what God is saying to us as we start this year is let your hands be strong so that the temple may be built. This is also what the prophets who were present at the foundation, when the foundation of the temple was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. Before the time, before the time that these ancient Israelites found them in, there were no wages for people 
or enough money to hire animals. No one could go about their business safely because of their enemies, since I had turned everyone against their neighbor. God had exercised judgment on the nation, and it was difficult. But verse 11 says, But now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as I did in the past, declares the Lord Almighty. And so God encourages the ancient Israelites, and he encourages you and me today to let our hands be strong. In their day, the kingdom work, the kingdom mandate, the thing they had to do in the kingdom was to rebuild the temple. And God says to us today, let our hands be strong because there's kingdom work to do. There's things God wants to do in us and through us and he, in 2023, but also going forward. And I'm encouraged by, you know, as Jacob played in one of the words that came, that the Lord is declaring that he wants to do something new. And so as we hear words from like that, like that from God, we need to respond. We need to let our hands be strong. What's God's agenda for you in your family, in your workspace, in your spheres of influence, on your front line? God has a kingdom work there, and he wants your hands to be strong. Now, if you've been at Hatfield a while, you know we talk about front lines. It's that place, if you haven't been here a while, where God has placed you to bring his kingdom, to bring his purposes and his light and to be salt in those places so that his purposes can come. And on your front line, God wants to do something. Whether your front line is raising your children, if you're raising teenagers, mommy, Ella, it's a war zone. Not because of them, but because of everything that's coming at them in the world at the moment. It's a war zone. We have to stand strong. There's kingdom work to do. Let our hands be strong. I know that in this generation across the world, God's main activity is that he's building his church. And through the church, he wants to display his wisdom to the world. But let your hands be strong for what God is doing here at Hatfield. Come, don't just coast along and flow in the stream. Let your hands be strong. Step into what God wants to do in this year. Let's be salt and light wherever you go. Let your hands be strong. There's kingdom work to do. I want to drop down a little bit and talk about verse 11 because I felt that's something that the Lord highlighted for us this morning. Verse 11 said, but now I will not deal with the remnant of the people as I did in the past. And I think there is something really about God saying it's a new season, that he's not going to deal with you and me like he has in the past. Perhaps God has dealt with you wonderfully in the past. Your, your relationship is closed. You can know and you sense the hand of blessing. His purpose on your life is clear. God wants to do more. Don't be content with that. He wants to deal with you differently than in the past. Perhaps you've been through a desert experience and you've been wrestling. Maybe it's like some of these verses said where there's not been enough resources to do things. You couldn't hire stuff. Your, your work is dangerous because you're enemies. And I'm so aware of so many of you facing things like corruption on a daily basis where it's difficult. God doesn't want to deal with you as in, as in the past. He wants to do something new. So no matter how good or bad or difficult or challenging your relationship with God has been, how difficult the last couple of years have been, God wants to do something new. He's not going to deal with us as he had in the past. The remnant that's referred to in the passage here is those who've always stayed faithful to God. They've held on to the promises of God. They were the ones who came back from exile. They were the ones who came back and wanted to be part of what God was doing. And God, he says, I'm not going to if it was difficult in the past to the nation of Israel, if my hand of judgment was on you in the past, I'm doing something different now. I'm not going to deal with you. And there'll, there'll be some more of, of what God means by that explained in the next few 
verses. But I think God is also saying is that maybe there's things you've done in the past that you got away with. Things you've done in the past that were, you know, gray and dodgy. God won't let you get away with those anymore. There's things that, God, that perhaps were acceptable in the past, good things, that God wants you to reconsider so that he can make space for more in your life. So I think God is calling for a new way, for a new day. God wants to deal with us differently than in the past. Let's carry on in Zechariah chapter 8, and here we read part of the promise. God says, I'm going to deal with you differently, and there's a promise I want you to be aware of. Uh, we're going to read about some of the conditions to that promise later, but let's focus on the promise, verse 12 to 13 in Zechariah chapter 8. So the nation has come back. They're struggling. They're trying to rebuild the society, and God gives them this promise, and I believe he gives it to each of you and me today as well. He says, the seed will grow well, the vine will yield its fruit, and the ground will produce its crops, and the heavens will drop their dew. I will give these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people. Just as you, Judah, and Israel had been a curse or a byword amongst the nations, so I will save you. God will intervene. And you will be a blessing. Do not be afraid. Let your hands be strong. And this idea of your hands being strong is repeated again from verse 13. And so there's a promise of blessing that God holds out before us today where he says that there'll be fruit for your labor. Because obviously, when you've sown seed and you've pruned vines and you've worked hard and you've planted crops, you've been sowing, and God is saying that that's gonna bear fruit. Now, God willing, in the next couple of weeks or months this, this year, we'll talk a lot more about fruitfulness as a congregation and hear what God is saying to us about that. But for now, if you can just hear that there's a promise that there'll be fruit for your labor. Some of you, I believe, have been working really hard and you've got nothing to show for it. It's like there's holes in your pockets. Your hands are empty and you can't make the ends meet, as it were. I think God is saying he's going to deal with you differently. And that he wants to bring a blessing, a fruitfulness, a reward for your labor. Uh, the one commentator I read on this, his name is Mark Boda. He felt the Hebrew here is better translated as follows. I'm sorry, this won't come up on the screen, but if you can listen. He says, uh, he thinks the Hebrew says this better. For there will be a sowing time which will yield prosperity. The vine will yield its fruit, the land will yield its produce, and the heavens will give their due, and I will give this to my people as an inheritance. There will be a sowing time that will yield, which will lead, which will yield prosperity. Is that a wonderful promise that God is saying? That there's a sowing time that can yield to prosperity. In verse 13, God also tells us that he wants us to be a blessing. So this promise of fruitfulness this promise of a yield of prosperity is not just so that, you know, good to know, nice to have. It's so that God wants, it's because, sorry, God wants us to be a blessing. Now, sometimes, you know, as charismatics are very popular, say you're blessed to be a blessing. Anyone heard that? Some of you? Nice. Okay. And I think that's true. There's an element where God brings blessing to our life so that we can bless others. But often when we think of these things, we think of them in material terms or maybe even specifically financial terms. But perhaps you're not in that space. God still wants you to be a blessing. Perhaps you're in a season of sowing and there's not much fruit. God's intention is that you can be a blessing. You can be a blessing in your relationships by sowing love and kindness. You can be a blessing by giving your time to others. You can be a blessing by giving your time to the kingdom. There's many ways you can be a blessing. 
You know that sometimes you can even be a blessing when you have lack. Sometimes you can even be a blessing when there's scarcity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul's busy collecting an offering for the church in Jerusalem from basically the churches in modern-day Greece. He's collecting an offering so that churches in Greece can be a blessing to the churches in Jerusalem. And he talks about the Macedonian churches, who he says they gave out of their need and sometimes gave even more than they could because their heart, their desire, they caught something, a revelation in those churches that God wanted them to be a blessing. And so even sometimes in a place of lack and pressure, you can still be a blessing. So I think what I'm trying to say is don't put conditions on being a blessing. Just start being a blessing wherever you are in whatever space you are, and then maybe the fruit will come and the fruitfulness will follow in your life. God wants you to be a blessing. It also says, yeah, don't be afraid, and I'm gonna talk about that because it's repeated a little bit later in verse 15. But again, the encouragement comes in these verses. Let your hands be strong. Let our hands be strong to do what God wants to do. Let our hands be strong because he wants to bless us and he wants us to be a blessing. Let our hands be strong. Let's read on from verse 14 to verse 17. Those will be the last verses we read this morning. There's some intention of God that's spoken about here and then a, a condition that's given as well. Zechariah chapter eight and verse 14. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Just as I had determined to bring disaster on you and show you no pity when your ancestors angered me, so that was from the history of Israel, says the Lord Almighty, verse 15. So now I have determined to do good again to Jerusalem and to Judah, do not be afraid. These are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to each other and render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against each other and do not love to swear falsely. I hate all this, declares the Lord. A couple of things just to highlight that I believe the Lord is saying to us this morning. Please note here that God says he's determined to do good. And then straight after that, he repeats this phrase, do not be afraid. And some have spoken about that this morning already. Perhaps you think of this year and you face it and you look at all the uncertainties and you feel the anxiety right here. You know, if I speak of myself, there's some things I look at this year and I go, oh, how am I gonna manage that? How am I gonna cope? Pastor Louis shared with us last week, if you were able to hear, if you weren't, it's really a message worth listening about opportunities and how to make decisions can lead us into the opportunities. But there's a great part in that message where he says, how do you make decisions so that anxiety doesn't overcome you? And I think in Louis' leading last week and in some of the leading the Lord's giving me this week, and if I listen to some of the ministry that came from the Spirit this morning, do not be afraid. But the counter for that, how do I not be afraid? God wants to do good. And if I can hold on to that, God loves me more than I can imagine. He's jealous for me. And he wants to do good in my life. Then I can stand against the things that might bring fear. I can stand against the uncertainties. I can stand against the things that I just don't know and I'm worried about. And so if you can settle and hold in your heart, God wants to do good to you. He does not want to deal with you as in the past. He wants to do good to you. And that's why it's so important as well, Psalm 91 that we heard about this morning already. You need to rest. You need to stay in the Lord. When fear and anxiety come, when the pressures of the year 
come marching on. Rest in the Lord. Abide in the shadow of the Almighty because he wants to do good to you. Now, I'm sure many of you would know this, but just, for, for, just to be uh, good, I think, balanced and appropriate, it's important to understand when God makes promises in Scripture, like we've read, that he wants to bring fruitfulness and yield to the crops and that he wants to do good, many of the promises in the Bible are conditional. And I've actually learned and trained myself that as I read the Scriptures, that I always, if I see a promise of God, I look for the condition. Now, what's interesting, if we look at a little bit of the broader history of this time, one of the other people that God was using at this time was a prophet named Haggai. And he was also involved in motivating the people to rebuild God's temple and to do the kingdom work that was demanded of their generation or required of their generation. And Haggai focused a lot on externals. What is interesting, if we look at some of the conditions that uh, Zechariah looks at here, is he focuses a little bit more on our hearts and on the internal elements of what we're doing. And the relationships, not just what we do, like put bricks and build temple, but what are our relationships like? It's interesting, verse 16, 17, it's speak the truth to one another. Don't plot evil against each other. Some of the more literal translations, it will say your neighbor. There's a community element that's involved. And so what does God expect from us if he makes this promise? I think God calls for both external and internal holiness. Holiness is where we act like God, we behave like God, we align ourselves with him and we behave and do things in the way that God wants us to do it. And so there's four things that are listed for us in verse 16 and 17 in this passage that just need to come into focus. There's the promise, there's this invitation, and then there's the challenge. Pastor Louis often talks about the invitation and the challenge we find in scripture. And so here's some of the challenge or the conditions that God has for us. Uh, the text reads and it says, speak the truth to each other. So I think God's calling for basic honesty. Let your yes be your yes and your no, your no. I'll say a little bit more about this because I think this is linked with the, the last condition that God has in this passage. But let's determine in our hearts, let you and me determine in our hearts to speak the truth, to speak truthfully. So husbands, next time your wife asks, do I look good in this? The truth of the universe is yes. <laughs> Every time. Basic honesty. Never lie to you, babe. Never. Okay. Basic honesty. Determine in your heart to speak the truth. In your business dealings, in your public spaces, to the one another, to each other, to your neighbor, determine to be honest. Sign honest contracts. It also says in the text that you must bring sound judgment in your courts. And there's this element of justice that gets introduced here. The understanding in the language is that it's judgments that lead to peace. Judgments that produce shalom, the peace of God, the, the wholeness, the goodness in all of life. But God calls for justice. Where you make judgments, as a parent, do you know you make judgments every day? Make judgments that lead for peace. If, you have, if you're an employer and people work for you, or a manager or a leader, make judgments that lead to peace. Determine to be just in everything you do. God requires justness from us. Just do the right thing. And I know it's one thing to hear on a Sunday and it's another thing to do when your boss is standing over you and saying, sign here and you know. But stand for justice. Often when we talk about the front lines, we talk about the six M's. Okay, one of the M's is be a mouthpiece for truth and justice. I think that's what God is calling us for. Something he's spoken to us over a year now. Be a mouthpiece for truth and justice. Not justice as you understand it, not justice that serves your self-interest, but what produces peace in God's eyes. 
justice is defined biblically in God's kingdom. So do what is right and correct. But then Zechariah kind of homes in really on the heart. And he, the text says, do not plot evil against each other. Do not plot evil against your neighbor. I don't know what you like when people wrong you. What's your reaction? Do you go, I'm going to get them back? Or do you respond with compassion and forgiveness? In other words, do you respond the way God responds when you've wronged him? Uh, we had opportunity to drive down to the Cape in the holiday time. Um, I haven't traveled much far out of the city for long. And so it was uh, quite a revelation to me how many trucks are on the road. There are lots of trucks on the road. And um, on certain stretches of the road, it's single lane, and then you, know, you drive behind the truck, and everyone's in these very long lines. Anybody experience this? Okay. And then it goes double, and you know, courtesy, rules of the road, being just a good human being means the cars in the front go past the trucks, and you know, there's an order to the universe, is there not? Okay. But I observed this interesting phenomenon. There's certain people who drive certain kinds of cars. <laughs> who these rules don't apply to. They come flying past, down the line. No concern in the world for if there's oncoming traffic, because what they do when there's oncoming traffic is they just cut in. They just go left, and you need to make space. doesn't matter if there's space or not. They just require you to make space. And the more luxurious the SUV, the more entitled the driving. <laughs> if this is you, feel the conviction of God. <laughs> but I'm trying to be a good neighbor on the road, so I'm riding, and then there was one instance where this car came and it cut in front of us, but I mean, I had to brake. It was like this, you know, when you're like almost, almost, put my family at risk. I exercised judgment on them. I was angry. I, I even said to Tia, take a photo, I want the license plate. And a couple of days later, as the Lord started speaking to me, I deleted the photo and I became more compassionate and forgiveness. So, do not plot revenge. Perhaps you've been done an injustice. Perhaps not just driving. Perhaps there's real injustice. Do not plot revenge. Respond with compassion and forgiveness. It's part of what God is asking us to do. Have the same heart towards others as God has towards you. Do not plot evil. And then interestingly, the text says, do not love to swear falsely. And I want to talk about the loves in our hearts now. But it's interesting. So basically what was happening here is they were making promises they couldn't keep. They were swearing falsely. No, I promise I'll do it tomorrow. Or I promise by this. Or I, they were making promises they couldn't keep. And that links to the basic honesty that God called for in the, in the first part. And so I think that's important to hear. But there's something else I would like to highlight this morning, if I may, is that they loved this. And then the next few words in the text says, I hate these things. God says, I hate these things. And there's contrast there between sometimes we love things that God hates. And so one of the things we need to consider is, what are the loves of your heart? And what are you setting the, affection, the affections of your heart on? And maybe they're good things, but I think God wants to deal with us differently. But maybe there's some things that we're setting our affections on that God says, 
well, actually, I hate that. Stop it. I think binge watching is one of them. It's just my, and I, I binge watch, so, you know, I do. By whatever definition, I, I, can, I can manage. It's just really interesting to see how things happen. Just unroll, unravels one program after the other. But if you start setting your affections on those things, if you start loving those things more than you love God, you need to hear that God is jealous for you. God is jealous for the affections and the things that you're setting your heart on because God wants you to love him first. God wants your first affections to be on him, not because he wants to withhold from you, not because he doesn't want you to watch TV, but because he knows what's really best for you. God loves you. I think it's a little bit like when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Let's be attentive to what we set our affections on this year. And just to be clear, we should not love things God hates. We should not love sin. There's a really strong contrast in the text. Worship team, you can join me again on stage. So what is God saying out of this text to us this morning? And again, please remember, I submit this to you for you to go and consider and to chew on and to to hold before the Lord. I think God is saying, he's encouraging us, let your hands be strong. There's something God wants to do, a new thing here at Hatfield, a new thing in the city, a new thing in your front line, whatever that may be, but God wants to strengthen you on the inside. He wants your hands to be strong. He wants you to go for it. He wants you to do it. There's kingdom work to do. Let's get it done. But that starts with understanding that God is jealous for you. God is jealous for me. He wants your affections. He wants to do something new, and he will not deal with you as he has in the past. Isn't that also a little bit exciting? There's something new God wants to do. It's not just gonna be the same old, same old. But in all of this, God promises fruitfulness. God promises that he wants, he's determined to do good. But he wants us to respond. He wants us to be a blessing. He tells us twice in this passage, do not be afraid. Don't let anxiety grab you and stop you from embracing the opportunities that God is bringing for you. But we need to respond. We need to be honest. We need to work with, we need to be just. We need to make judgments that lead to peace. We must not plot evil. We must be forgiving. And we must examine our, our loves, the things we're setting our affections on. And so as Pastor Libby often says, there's invitation. There's invitation that God is jealous for us. There's an invitation that he wants to bring a blessing. But there's also this challenge about how are we gonna respond to the Lord? And so let our hands be strong. We're gonna worship again now, sing maybe one or two songs before we close the service. And so there'll be a time where you can hold your heart before the Lord. But I'd like to pray just into a couple of things this morning for you. Perhaps your hands are not strong. Perhaps you're just weary for whatever reason. Maybe the last couple of years have been too much. Maybe the holidays and the family and everything was too much and your hands are not weary and now you're listening and you're going, let my hands be strong. You're all right. I wanna pray for you that God by his spirit would come and light a fire, give you the power, the dynamic that you need to have to let your hands be strong this year. I want to respond and thank God for the promise that he's given us, but also just pray a little bit about how we respond to that.
So can I invite you all to stand and I'd like to pray uh, just as the Lord leads in this space. If you're watching online, won't you respond as is this fitting or if you're watching the recording, won't you make some time just to, to respond to the Lord in this time of prayer. So our wonderful and good Father, thank you that you're telling us to strengthen our hands, to let our hands be strong. There's, there's exciting and there's new things you want to do. But I want to pray for those here today, those in our community, those watching online, where, Lord, my hands are not strong. My heart is broken and there's sorrow in my heart. Won't you come by your spirit and comfort where necessary? Won't you come by your spirit and strengthen? I'm reminded of Acts 1.8 where it says, we will be filled with power from on high. Give us the power we need to let our hands be strong. Won't you come and act as it is supernaturally strengthen our hands? Won't you come, Lord, and help us to overstand overcome any fear or anxiety. Lord, some of us have worked hard and we've sown and we've, we've poured water into jars. Won't you come and turn that water into wine? Won't you bring forth new wine and new joy and new happiness, new celebrations in our lives? But Lord, we also know from the scriptures that as you've promised us fruitfulness, we co-labor with you. We work with you. And so, Lord, if there's any of these things where this is what you need to do, this is how we need to respond, that, that apply to our hearts. So, Jesus, we want to set our first affection on you this year. We know that you're calling. Let our hands be strong. Make us strong. Give us all that we need, emotionally, physically, materially, to be a blessing, to be part of the kingdom work in our generation, to be part of what you're doing in building your church here at Hatfield, in our nation, across the world. Thank you that you've promised good to us. But Lord, as we respond to you, would you convict our hearts, not only today, but in the weeks and the months to come, where necessary. Help us to respond appropriately to the good that you intend to do in our lives. So Jesus, we love you. I pray this in your name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like prayer ministry, there will be some pastors and members of our prayer team to pray with you here. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't found a home, won't you come up to one of those in front and just say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to learn to love him more. Uh, if you are a visitor and you would uh, like to just know more about Hatfield and where you belong, can you please meet Pastor Letitia uh, here on maybe the left-hand side of the stage. Afterwards, she'd love to just tell you a little bit more about Hatfield. God bless you as you go. May he be with you every step and in every place this year. In Jesus' name. Amen.